Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hello, welcome. So, I hope you all had a lovely Thanksgiving here in the United States and, um, Hope you're ready to uh, get started for the holidays. So we're, we've got a, a wonderful um, a guest for you today. Um, we are going to talk to Kimberly Miner, and she is an amazing human being. She has had a 25-year journey um, dealing with domestic violence, and she has developed some shortcuts for women. Um, she is the CEO and chairwoman of Envision You Victory Over Violence. Um, a nonprofit foundation. She is a public speaker, a teacher, a domestic violence um, trainer and advocate. She's the co-author of Duality of the Modern Woman, which is a number one Amazon bestseller. And she's getting ready to author another book called Silence No More, and that should be coming out soon. So welcome, Kimberly. Thank you, Fossey. Glad to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here because... Um, this is a topic that most people don't really want to touch. It's touchy. Um, there's a lot of things that just make it very uncomfortable. And I wanted to touch on it because, because of those reasons. I think it is uncomfortable. I think it is difficult. But I think it's also uh, a topic that we need to address because there's so many women out there um, that deal with domestic violence. And, and there's men that deal with it as well. Um, so what I'd like to start off with is, is just a definition of domestic violence. Could you tell our listeners your definition of what domestic violence is? You know, I'm so glad that you asked uh, that question because I think it, people get confused of what domestic violence is. Uh, most of the time, uh, I think the most idealistic uh, definition that people think in their mind is when it comes to domestic violence is that somebody has been physically hurt uh, in their mind. And domestic violence is a much broader uh, uh, wheelhouse than just being physically hurt. Domestic violence touches uh, physical, emotional, and verbal abuse. And so there is a much broader spectrum when you are touching uh, domestic violence. So, uh, you know, people are touched uh, when it comes to something that in, in it's normally, it's some, it has to be some, an intimate partner, you know, um, somebody that you know on a personal level. Um, that's when, that's where the word domestic comes from, is that somebody that you know intimately. Um, so it could be, you know, um, an uh, intimate partner or somebody that is within the, uh, you know, family, you know, family unit. So that's where the word domestic comes from. So, uh, you know, it's interesting is that, you know, things that are done on a domestic level that you um, are dealing with are things that are done outside if they were done outside of a domestic uh, unit are things that uh, 
you wouldn't have to go through the levels to prove. <laughs> so, so if your domestic partner um, hits you, that's domestic violence. But if somebody you don't know hits you in that same way, that would be assault. Correct. Okay. Thank you for that definition. Are there different levels of domestic violence? Can, can somebody be just a little abused? There's no different levels of domestic violence. Domestic violence is domestic violence across the board. So, um, and that's a very interesting com- uh, question that you asked because uh, when um, I obviously uh, have been in a lot of uh, different support groups that I am part of or that I had. And so, uh, you know, there are so many survivors themselves who are in these groups and stuff and they share their story. And I can't tell you how many of them will sit there and say, well, my story is not as bad. Well, there is no as bad. It's all the same. The moment that you have experienced something that is abuse. And so um, just because your story is different than somebody else's does not give it a level of severity. It just means that that is your story. And you had to go through that event and that uh, upheavaled your life and gave your life um, uh, a part where your life you're going to have to work through and it will have an effect on your life from this point forward. And so there is no level of difference between what this person went through and what you went through and that person went through. Yes, they may have something they have to recover longer from a physical point of view or whatever else, but everybody's journey is their journey. And the underlying effect is that it was all domestic violence. Thank you for clarifying that. I, I really appreciate that because I, a lot of times I hear people say, well, you know, their husband didn't beat them or, you know, their husband didn't do this or that, or sometimes it's the woman, you know, sometimes it's the woman. So, um, you know, I think it's important for our listeners to know that domestic violence um, is not just women being abused. It can also be men being abused by women. Um, and, and, it could be children too. I mean, would you agree that children are, are involved in that abuse as well? Absolutely. It, there's, there's not a, uh, there's not just one person that is um, special in this when it comes to domestic violence. You know, there's women that are abused, there's men that are abused, and then there's children that are abused. And so no one gets a ticket, you know, um, out of the circumstances. Um, everybody is fair game in this. And there is no social economic uh, class that is free of this either. That is also a huge myth that is something that uh, we deal with over and over and over again is that I can't tell you how many times that I'm in part of conversations and stuff that um, people continually believe that this is a lower economic uh, class issue, and it's not. Uh, it is. It, it knows no boundaries. What are 
are some other misconceptions of domestic violence um, that you can talk about? Um, can you share some examples with us? The biggest question that I that I get on a continuous basis is that um, the first question that you will probably always get is that if you're a survivor is that, um, well, did they hit you? Because that is the number one uh, misconception is that domestic violence always has to do with physical abuse. And I believe that that is because um, the number one pictures that are put out there about domestic violence um, or something that we hear about domestic violence is that uh, is somebody has been murdered or that somebody uh, has um, has been beaten to death and you see, you know, all the horrible, you know, you know, black eyes yeah. or something else yeah. like that. Um, we don't see the um, verbal, we don't see the emotional, excuse me, abuse that goes on. And, um, you know, in the groups that I am part of, um, I can, if there was a poll taken and we were to give the statistics that as the result, uh, you would be shocked to see the results of it because most of them said that, you know, I can, um, I can heal from the, um, you know, from the, from the blows and from the bruises, but I cannot, it, I don't know if I can ever heal um, from the emotional and the verbal abuse because that never goes right. away. Let's talk a little bit about the cycle of abuse, because a lot of people will say, um, you know, oh, well, you know, you're you're living in the United States of America. You're a free woman. You can leave. Why don't you leave? There's places out there that can help you. Why don't you leave? Why don't women just leave? That's a very common. uh, You don't have to live outside the United States for that question to be said. That's a very good sure. question uh, that people say all the time um, is that why don't they just leave? Um, and uh, it's not as easy as that, is that um, there is a lot of what they call um, uh, trauma bonding. And that means is that uh that the offender has made them so dependent on them that it's very difficult for them to leave. And what is trauma bonding? Trauma bonding means is that they have made them so dependent uh, on them by saying like, uh, you know, who's, you know, who's ever going to believe you? Uh, Who you're so stupid. um, How are you ever going to make it on your own? Um, you know, if you try to leave, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your family. Uh, you know, um, you, you're, you know, you've never had a job, you know, so how are you ever going to financially make it on your own? You know, I'm sorry, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. So when you do these things and stuff, or when you have all these things said to you and everything, it does make it, uh, you know, you start to, you have that said to you over and over and over again. You think of people who um, are, you know, in cults and stuff, it's, you know, it becomes, you become brainwashed. 
Right, right, right. Um, absolutely. Hearing those same thoughts over and over again makes you start questioning your own ability to live your own life. Do a lot of women stay um, not only because of the trauma bonding, but because of children? Do children kind of keep them stuck? Because if they leave, that child is still, you know, part of that family. So they have to still have connection with their abuser. There's many women who feel like they need to stay because um, uh, of the children. They feel like uh, that from a social, and, and most of the time it has to do with social economics, um, you know, that how would they be able to take care of the kids? Or they've been threatened that if they try to leave, that um, they will, that offender will um, hurt the children um, or they'll try to take the children away. And um, the number one thing is, is that when you have, again, when you have had these things said to you over and over and over again, um, you know, you begin to believe that. And so when you feel like you have no help or that you are isolated um, and that's um, so many people um, that's don't understand is that there's this sense of isolation. Um, you become isolated from your family. You become isolated from your friends. Um, you become isolated from, um, you know, the world and you are living basically within their world. And so, um, you know, you, it becomes very, very difficult to make so many basic decisions for yourself and for your children. So basically the person who's being abused has their life controlled almost by somebody else. A hundred percent. Your life is controlled. So, you know, uh, I can give a perfect example is that, you know, I felt myself, uh, is that, uh, you know, so many times I was being told everything was my fault. And so, uh, I spent, <laughs> I, I'm a college educated woman and I spent basically 12 hours a day, uh, autopsying the conversations of figuring out how everything was my fault. So I would go through the conversations of saying, well, he said this, and then I said this, and this happened, this happened, trying to figure out how it was my fault. So I could figure out how I could have done something differently. That is exhausting. The reality was, it wasn't you. It, was it, wasn't, it wasn't me, but I was trying to figure out how something was always my fault because I, I was being told everything was my fault. So I was trying to figure out, always trying to figure out. So during that time, you know, if you're doing that 12 hours a day, every single day, there's no time to ever have an opinion. There's no time to ever have a thought of yourself or thinking about yourself or making a decision for yourself because you're spending all your time thinking about how everything that's happening in life is your fault of things that come up just basically all day long. So um, yeah. they keep you preoccupied. You know, I, I really appreciate you sharing such a personal story because um, I, I think it inspires people to hear somebody else who has gone through it and come out the other side 
intact because it is a very difficult position to be in. Um, would you mind sharing more about your journey? Like maybe talk a little bit about how you got into this relationship, what it was like to be in the relationship and how you got out of it? Because, you know, it's a very, it's a very important story to tell. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, when someone winds up in a um, domestic violence relationship, it is never by accident. Most people who wind up in a domestic violence relationship, um, there is something about themselves. Um, they probably are feeling lack of confidence, a lack of worth, a lack of self-esteem. There's something about themselves that um, they are lacking and um, they uh, have this, you know, so there's this void about themselves. And if you didn't have that void, you know, we attract what it is we don't have. And so we attract that into our life, whether it be negative or positive. And so um, when you don't, so if you are feeling good about yourself, you attract that positivity into your life. When you don't have worthiness or confidence or self-esteem, you attract that negativity into your life. And so you bring what it is that you do or do not have into your life. And so for myself, um, I was at a spot in my life that um, I was um, uh, um, professionally dancing and that had been taken away from me and I had lost my identity. And so I was suffering and had been suffering um, for years um, from my childhood in my teenage years um, from a crisis of feeling worthy, from feeling um, confident. And that was just the tip of the iceberg that I needed to uh, lose my any identity that I had to feel like I had any worthiness, to feel like I had any confidence whatsoever. And I wound up meeting this person that I, you know, like I said, you, you wind up attracting what it is that you don't have. You know, if you have negativity, then you attract negativity into your life. And I was attracted to somebody who, you know, filled what it is that I didn't have in my life. He feel, was filling that bucket. And so that's how I wound up bringing him into my life is that, and because I was so um, hurt, I couldn't see the signs of the things that were negative in his life. And no matter what other people could see, um, nobody could tell me any differently. And so it was probably six months, um, you know, into the marriage, the fun was all over with. And um, he was, um, uh, had a family history of alcoholism, and he followed in that footsteps of, of alcoholism. And um, he was a, an angry alcoholic. Um, so you never knew what you were getting. Uh, so as, you know, time progressed, uh, you know, he would, um, when he would get angry, 
uh, you know, it started out that um, he would be, you know, very verbally abusive towards me. I, I will never forget the first time he uh, went through a wall. <laughs> uh, and um, what, do you, what do you mean he went through a wall? Like, like he actually, like his whole body went through a wall. Oh, out of so anger. he threw himself into a wall. He, yeah, just being so angry. If we the house that we were we were renting, um, there was just um, one only one side had drywall on it, and he was angry, and he just went right through the wall. And I just, and, and so I this clearly has happened more there. than once. It more than once, um, uh, you know, that it went. Um, I, I, before I had my first son, um, I, I had a, a, a miscarriage and, and I was not allowed to, um, at the time I was finishing my, uh, college education and we only had one car and I was not allowed, um, to go to the hospital and he let me, um, hemorrhage and bleed all day. Um, to the point of just, it just all day long and wound up having um, a miscarriage. And uh, I got up in the middle of the night, felt something uncomfortable and went to go to the bathroom and had a miscarriage and just started screaming. Then he got up, said, oh, I guess, I guess you had a miscarriage and just flushed the toilet and left me, didn't ask if I was okay, didn't take me to the hospital, and just left me there. So that, that just for our listeners, I mean, that right there is incredibly abusive and neglectful, and neglect is a form of abuse. So that is absolutely horrifying. I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that. Um, but I do appreciate you willing to share your experience with our listeners, as, as difficult as it is for you. I really appreciate that because I think what it does is it, it sharing those stories allows people to hear what abuse really looks like, that it, it's not just pushing down, pushing somebody down a flight of stairs. It's not just beating them up, that, that what you experience is tremendously abusive and, and very neglectful. And, and it's an awful situation to be in. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, so once you've dealt with all this abuse at what point in your relationship did you feel like enough is enough and I'm going to get out of this or I can't do this anymore? You know, I was the perfect example of, you know, it takes the, uh, uh, victim on the average seven to 10 times to leave their offender. And, um, I was, I was with him for 10 years and, um, it took me three times the filing of divorce before I finally left him. So, um, and the first time, um, the divorce was actually within three weeks of being finalized and I went back and, um, you know, uh, I think, you know, uh, it took me a long time to get over that of, reflecting back on that of how I could have changed the directory of my life so much sooner 
and have, you know, uh, made such a difference in my life had I, had I not, you know, done that. Um, but my journey wasn't over, you know, there was lessons for me to, um, obviously still to be learned, uh, I think that's really important to remember because a lot of women beat themselves up just like you had, you beat yourself up for not making that decision sooner or not acting on something, you know, the first time, but when you beat yourself up over all those, what ifs, or what if I had done this differently, you're, you lose your focus, you lose your ability to move forward. So I think it's, it's a really important lesson not to beat yourself up or, over what didn't happen, but focus on what you can still do. Exactly. Uh, we, we do get really caught up in uh, of beating ourselves up on a continuous basis of all the things that we didn't do, what we should have done um, because of the fact, especially when we have children involved, uh, because there's so much guilt that goes with it. There's guilt, there's shame. Um, we, not only for ourselves, but when we look at our children and then when we have to face our family, our friends, uh, you know, we get faced all the time with questions of, you know, how did you ever wind up with him? You know, uh, why did, why did you stay so long? Why didn't you just leave? And those are questions that um, I, I still, all these years later, uh, it's been over 20 years. I, I still get these questions that will come out of nowhere. And, you know, fortunately, I'm at a point in time that uh, I have worked through so many of those things. And I know how to redirect those comments. Um, but there are uh, some that who have not worked through the process um, that that will throw them back. Those are triggers for them. And it will put them back in that spot. And so um, it's important to, uh, you know, to get therapy if you need therapy, you know, get therapy for yourself to work through that so that you can own your story and you can own uh, the process and get past that guilt because um, it's really important to uh, not uh, not to own that guilt. It's not your fault. It's not your, it's not your fault that, that, that happened to you. It's not your fault that you stayed as long as you stayed, you know, and through the therapy, you can find out why that you wound up in that relationship. And, and that's really important. That yeah, that's really important. Um, I, I think it's really important to get that help, that support system in, in place so that you know um, how to move forward and that the past doesn't hold you back. Um, it, that's a really important thing. And, and to learn what your triggers are so you don't make that mistake again. Because um, a lot of women do end up in a second abusive relationship, sometimes a third, and it's just a vicious cycle. Um, we're going to take a break here in just a couple minutes. Um, but before we go on break, um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how could they, how could they do that, Kimberly? Yeah, awesome. There's a couple of ways. Um, we have our website, which is envisionyouvictory.org. 
Um, there's also uh, my email address, which is uh, Kimberly at EnvisionYouVictoryOverViolence.com uh, or my phone number, uh, 248-622-0819. And, and where are you located if somebody wanted to maybe meet up with you? Are you in uh, Arizona? I'm in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. So we'll be back um, after the break to talk more with Kimberly. But um, if you are listening and you would like uh, to get a hold of me, my phone number is 480-648-1122. You can also go to my website, uh, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And on my website, you can look at my YouTube channel. You can see previous um, presentations that I've done. You can also um, subscribe to our upcoming magazine, Executive Function Magazine. Um, It's going to be an amazing magazine. I'm really looking forward to the launch January 10th. You can also get in touch with me on my website. Send me an email um, and we can set up a, a time to do a free consultation. So if that's something, if you're interested in working with me, that would be a wonderful way to see if executive function coaching is appropriate for you. Um, If you did not, uh, if you missed our session last week, uh, we had our Parenting Pulse um, series with Dr. Sarah Bald and Mackenzie Douglas and Dana Lamb. Um, Feel free to go back on the podcast and, and listen to that. Um, They're absolutely wonderful women, and they have a lot of great insight to offer. And um, next week, we're having Dr. Dravon James, and she is going to be an awesome person talking quite a bit about uh, what she does um, and inspiring women in her coaching business. So don't miss that. We will um, be back after these messages, and we will talk more with Kimberly Miner of Envision Your Envision You Victory Over Violence. So we'll see you back in a, in a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Bozzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Bozzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 
Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at Executive Function Coach AZ.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you would like to call in, feel free to do so. If you have questions for um, Kimberly Miner, you can do that today as well. Um, you can also send us an email if you have questions um, at executivefunctioncoachaz.com, and we'd be happy to send those questions forward uh, to Kimberly, and she can respond to you and get those back to you. Um, Kimberly Miner is the chairwoman and CEO of Envision You Victory Over Violence, uh, a nonprofit foundation here in Arizona. Um, she's a public speaker, a teacher, a uh, domestic violence advocate, and trainer. She has um, numerous uh, places that she's trained and organizations that she collaborates with and works with. So she is absolutely a wealth of knowledge when it comes to domestic violence. Uh, she's the co-author of The Duality of the Modern Woman, which is a number one Amazon bestseller. Um, she is the author of Silence No More, and that will be coming out this year. So she's talking about her 25-year journey and the fact that she can offer a shortcut for women who have dealt with domestic violence in their lives. She's also, she also has a YouTube channel, Your Best You Now. So um, take a peek at that when you get a chance. And welcome back, Kimberly. I'm so grateful to be here. So uh, there's nothing better than uh, enlightening people as much as possible on a subject that nobody really likes to talk about. So, <laughs> Well, you're right. It's, it's a difficult topic to talk about, but I appreciate that you are here because I think it does inspire people when you, when you hear someone else's story and you think, wow they're willing to talk about that. I should be able, I should be willing to talk about mine. I should be willing and able to do something about mine. And I think it inspires people to maybe take that next step in their own life. And, and even if it's nothing more than awareness, just being aware of your situation, I think makes a huge difference in your life. And then once you're aware, you can take that next step and maybe take action and, and make some changes. So, or at least create a plan for taking action. So that inspiration, I think, is really, really important. Um, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about your, your organization, your foundation, um, Envision You Victory Over Violence. It's a nonprofit foundation. Tell me what inspired you to start this foundation and when did you start it? Thanks for asking. Uh, you know, we have at Envision You Victory Over Violence, uh, we have one mission and uh, one mission only, and that is, is that we're here to provide a roadmap for domestic violence survivors to, um, to um, face, find, and move forward with their confidence, self-worth, and their self-esteem intact. And that is our sole mission in our whole existence. And, you know, you ask why? Why is that important? Um, that is extremely important because uh, in order for uh, victims to move forward in their journey and not go back, 
they have to have that confidence, they have to have that self-worth, and they have to have that self-esteem. Um, my journey was 25 years because I didn't have my self-worth and I didn't have my confidence and I didn't have my self-esteem. I kept making so many mistakes uh, in my life, uh, you know, financial mistakes, uh, mistakes in trying to uh, do some dating that kept reflecting the same mistakes that I uh, had in my marriages, uh, mistakes in my career um, that was reflective of my marriages, of my marriage that I had um, that were a hindrance to myself, to my children, um, things that I continue to put up with in the court system, dealing with child support because I was not able to use my voice um, and just gave up on the court system. And so um, when you choose not to deal and face things head on, there's only one way to the other side, and that's straight through. And so you have to be able to uh, think that you're worthy enough and have confidence to back that up, that you will be able to move forward with your life. And the number one reason why survivors go back to their offender is for financial reasons. And the reason that they go back for that financial reason is because they don't have enough confidence and they don't have enough worth about themselves thinking that they can make it financially. So that's why we have the program that we have. That's why we do what we do to give them that momentum to go forward. So what are some of the things that you do to help women? Can you give us examples of how the program works? So let's take a woman from the beginning. She realizes she's being abused. She's, she's at the point where she has recognized that she's in a bad relationship, but she really has no plan. And she gives your organization a call. What do you tell her? When somebody has gotten out of it and the, when we get involved in it, um, they have already gotten out of it. And so um, they've already gone through some of those critical steps and they're in that process of making that transition. Um, and uh, we focus the things that, the, there's five steps that we focus on. And those steps are, um, what are the um, self uh, sacrificing, self-sabotaging behaviors um, do we see in ourselves? And why and why, why do we think we do those things? And we spend a lot of time doing that. Um, and that goes back to that whole thing of why do we think we wound up in that relationship to begin with? You know, what are those behaviorisms that we see? And, you know, there's like a whole, um, you know, when I was actually going through it and I was researching what is sabotaging, what is sacrificing behaviorisms, because when I thought in my head, I could think of a couple words of, you know, what that was. But when I actually did the research on it and I started looking to see what it was, I was like, oh, oh my goodness. Like I could see, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I do that and I do that and I do that and I do that. I, there was like, tons of things that I didn't know were 
sabotaging behaviorisms that um, I just didn't know that those things actually were considered self-sabotaging behaviorisms. And so when I actually saw it um, you know, and recognizing it, and then when you actually put the reason why it brings it to the forefront and you actually make that connection. And when you actually write something down and you make the connection, it, there's something that goes from the brain to the paper that actually brings it to the forefront. And you actually, the first time, start making a connection as to what you do. And then we work on how do you interrupt those behaviors. And Can you give me an example of an actual like behavior that maybe you recognize in yourself that you were doing when you were doing your research? Uh, what are some behaviors that you recognized and, and how, did, how did that help you move forward? Yeah, um, some uh, sabotaging behaviors is like... Um, uh, you know, always uh, my, some of my characteristics are is that um, I'm willing to put, do, excuse me, um, sacrifice myself for anybody else to feel the, for the opportunity to feel loved at the expense of myself at all costs. So I, no matter if it's financial or whatever else, like, so, um, you know, if somebody needs help, like I'll stop whatever I'm doing, whether it's work or whatever else and get involved in their problem at whatever cost to help them out. That's a self-sabotaging behavior. Okay. So once you recognize that, how did you stop that? So I had to realize that, um, that, you know, if somebody needs help, I can be there to listen to them, but uh, I don't necessarily have to be their savior. <laughs> I, had to, I had to learn how to build boundaries. Yeah, you had to build some boundaries. And some I had to build some boundaries. Like I, I can't, you know, I wasn't there to, you know, bail everybody out, solve everybody's problem. You know, my thing was, is that, you know, as soon as I heard somebody's problem, all of a sudden it became my problem, you know, and, um, you know, that's, that I couldn't continue to exist that way. So very, that, very know, nice. Yeah. So once somebody, so out of the steps, that's the first step is recognizing. You have to, re you have to recognize that. And then you, we go, the second step is how do you interrupt that behavior, how do you refocus your conversation of how you're going to re, uh, reassess of how you're going to state your conversation to somebody in a relationship? And a relationship doesn't mean a, a necessarily a um, intimate partner. It can be numerous relationships. It can be with a friend. It can be with children. It can be business. Um, how do you see what an imbalance the you know the imbalances in your life? So looking at those different things, you know we look um, we look at building a positive attribute journal. You know we um, they sign a personal attribute contract for themselves for the first time. Some of them that's the first time they've ever done something 
for themselves for the very first time. You know, we look at um, uh, focusing on uh, building a purpose. What's the purpose? You know, a lot of them go, what, what do you mean? What's a purpose? They, they, they don't even know what that is, you know, or some of them, you know, are, are in boardrooms and they're going, well, I'm used to just sitting there and being part of a group. They've never voiced their own opinion of what they think the direction of the company should go, or they're on a team, you know, and they're just, they've never thought that they should give their ideas of what the team should do. You know, and, you know, some of them have started voicing their opinion and have, you know, started excelling and moving forward. So we, we you know, so these are some of the things that we start, you know, doing um, in advancing. So it doesn't matter where, where the spectrum you are, you know, whether you have not ever had a job or whether you have had a you know, or in the midst of a career, uh, it just doesn't matter. These can be all applicable to everyone. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you sharing all of that. I, I hope that this information inspires somebody to get out of a bad relationship or inspires somebody else to maybe take their life to the next level. Um, so what are some things that are coming up in 2022 for Envision You Victory Over Violence? Um, and, and, and how can people get involved, you know, whether they're in need of support or whether they want to offer support? Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, we, uh, I am, huh, I'm so excited. So we have um, some, a couple of things that have just happened that we are tremendously excited about. Uh, we had two uh, things that have recently just happened that are now part of our program. One is called um, Covered in Prayer that we are offering our survivors that go through our program. And they are these amazing um, totes that we offer. We have a group of women that, that sew these beautiful totes. If you were to buy them at a store, um, they would probably cost a tremendous amount of money and they make them for uh, the survivors and their children. And um, they give them to our foundation for free. And we give them to them as they finish our program. And uh, last month we did it for the first time. And to see their faces when they get these things and on the pillowcases, it has a little tag that is sewn in on the pillowcase and this is covered in prayer. And the philosophy behind it is that when they lay their head down, um, it says covered in prayer that when you lay your head down, you're never alone, that someone's always thinking of you. Oh, that's so sweet. Every, I know. So it's amazing. It comes with a tote, a pillowcase and a little cosmetic bag. So we're so excited about that. Um, I'm just so grateful, so humbled um, by being able to offer this is that, you know, after they finish this program that they're now given something saying, Hey, you're so beautiful. You're so worthy. Let us give this to you and your children. So we're so excited about that. Then the next thing is, is that um, we're now offering is that um, from one of the uh, largest high schools here, they have a program with Amazon that um, they get all of these uh, things that um, the boxes that get just, dis- 
that are somehow destroyed from Amazon. Amazon can't sell. They give to the high school. And so I have just finished um, signing off a program with them that um, those that are transitioning to their first house, we're giving them a voucher and they get this beautiful basket and they um, get all their household basic needs. And so um, now those who are finishing our program that are moving into the first house, they get all their like cleaning supplies and laundry detergents that we're giving them. So they get the tote, they get the household needs in a beautiful basket. So we're just so excited. So that program is beginning the second week of January. So we're really excited about that. <laughs> yeah, to kind of help them get that fresh start that they're, they're needing. They don't have to worry about some basic needs while they're and it's all it's all about building that confidence building that self-worth building that self-esteem you know saying hey look at you can make it you can move forward you know we're here Mm -hmm. to be their backbone so we're just I'm just giddy with excitement (laughs) yeah no that's that's amazing um that's absolutely amazing um so how can somebody um who maybe wants to be of service, how can they get in touch with you? How can they offer their services? Uh, whether it be volunteer time, whether it be an organization that wants to maybe support you in a different way, maybe they want to promote their products um, or, or they want to give your, your people their products as part of their promotions. How, how can people get involved? Well, I'm glad that you're asked. We're actually right now, um, I have uh, an actual uh, ad out there right now. We're actually looking in the, um, I'm actually in the process right now of looking for volunteers for the foundation. So this would be an excellent time. Um, So uh, for people to reach out to us. So if they just go to our website um, uh, or if they were to email me at Kimberly at envisionyouvictoryoverviolence.com and, um, you know, provide, just, you know, let me know that you're, you know, looking to help out in some way. And then with your contact information, uh, that would be fantastic. So uh, that would be wonderful because we're always looking for, uh, you know, we're desperately lo- looking for some volunteers. We're kind of uh, we're growing really uh, fast right now. So, uh, you know, f- growing is wonderful, um, but we're growing kind of fast at the moment. So, uh, you know, um, we need people to help with that, with that growth. Well, to help you make it a little bit easier, what I'll do is I'll put a banner on my Voice of America site with a link to your website so that it makes it easier for our listeners if they want to go there. They could connect directly with you, and then that way they can um, see what kind of um, you know services they can offer you. What kind of um, you know what kind of connection they can make to help your clients. So, last thing I want to talk about before we end our our wonderful conversation is, if a person wants to ask for help, how do they get a hold of you? Um, and, and is it only after they leave that you will help them or can you help them in the process of leaving? No, if somebody is needs help in the process, um, if you um, go to our website or if you call 248-622-0819, uh, we are here to help you. So we have resources that we can uh, connect you to, um, to help you um, 
If you can't get us immediately, please call the um, domestic violence hotline um, for, you know, if you can't get a hold of us right away, because we don't want you to be without help. So if what you is need, the number again, Kimberly? 248-622-0819. But if you are, right, there you if you are in crisis, please reach out to the hotline uh, because we want to make sure that your crisis is taken care of instantly. So um, make sure, make sure to do that. So I, I really appreciate you being on today. I appreciate the wonderful bits of information. I appreciate the personal stories, your journey. Um, I hope that it's an absolute inspiration to uh, everyone who's listened. And um, so thank you very much for, for everything today. I have one last question. Is there any advice you'd give yourself, your 20-year-old self? What, what advice would you give yourself if you were 20 today? Oh, if I was, um, if I was talking to my 20-year-old self is that um, I would tell her that uh, she, how beautiful and amazing that she was and um, that, uh, you know, it's one step at a time you know. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's really nice. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you being on here. Once again, if you need to get a hold of Kimberly, her number is 248-622-0819. If you'd like to get in touch with me, my phone number is 480-648-1122. Um, make sure you go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com and subscribe to our upcoming magazine executive function magazine it is digital it's free it's quarterly and it's international um so don't miss out we have some amazing people writing um for this magazine and i am truly looking forward to offering this magazine to our listeners so i hope you go to our website and um subscribe to it um if you're looking to, uh, for a free consultation feel free to call me at 648 uh actually 480-648-1122 and we can definitely take care of that. And I, um, I really appreciate our listeners listening. Make sure you go on to iTunes and rate uh, the different um, podcasts and let us know which one is your favorite. Uh, once we know which ones you like, uh, we'll start doing more uh, podcasts that are similar to our, our highest rated podcast. So make sure you go in to iTunes and rate those. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Have a fantastic week. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.